Well, I'm glad to be here this morning. I've got that head cold that's going around. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it. But I really wanted to present this lesson, so I'm glad that I am. And then last night, I guess it was cold, and I could only sleep on one side, so uh, I got a crick in my back. So, <laughs> and If you want to be real honest about it, Jerry Flatt, I sort of feel like you walking up here, but I know you get a little stiff there sometimes. Uh, if you'll get your, uh, uh, the, in the Pew Bibles, there's some New King James. These red, red Bibles are the New King James. If, uh, you, if you don't have the New King James, you may want to pull that out, or uh, the regular King James is fine, because I want to show you something there in just a moment. Um, a lot of times we may wonder, why are we going through all this stuff? Why are we going through all this? What is the importance of this? Who are we really in the world? And besides that, there is this other realm which is invisible to us that we can't see. And what is our place in all of this? The lesson this morning is we are kings and priests. Now this may not be something we talk about a lot. Uh, we may talk more about being disciples, students, servants, slaves, but maybe not very often about being a king. As Christians, we are kings. And I want to, I want to, to talk about this as well as that we are priests today. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse, and verse 6, as Alan has already read, in the King James, I want to read that. And, and this is talking about Jesus, already in the context, talking about that he is a king. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And now in verse 6, and has made us kings and priests. Now there's a little bit different language used between the King James and some other translations. For example, I use the New American Standard. And in the New American Standard, verse 6 says, and he has made us to be a kingdom. The, the Greek words used in both of the Greek texts are very, very close, but just a little bit different. So there's a slight difference in the translation, but it's really not material. In the King James, the word used there simply denotes a king, or it could be a prince. As Christians, we are kings. In other words, we are royalty by the power of God in Christ Jesus. We are royalty. The New American Standard, the word there denotes sovereignty, royal power, and dominion. And as we'll notice from some other verses, whichever way you look at it, being kings or being this sovereignty, being this power as a group of people, we are reigning. So either way you look at it, I think it's about the same. It's, it's really immaterial. Go with me over to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. I want to show how this how this mixes in with being a priest, and then we'll spend some more time over here in a little while. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Verse 9. Again, we'll talk about this a little bit more later in the lesson, but I want to just go on and, and show how this royalty plays into the whole mix here. Verse 9, 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, royal priesthood. The word translated royal here is the adjective of the noun translated king. So it's an adjective. 
And he says, you are royal. You are a royal priesthood. In other words, you are kingly priests. You have a kingly priesthood. Go with me also to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12. And here's the Apostle Paul writing, of course, to the young evangelist Timothy. And he says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Reign with him. And who reigns? Well, a king reigns. Royalty reigns. And so you see, this is carried out and talked about throughout the Bible of this royalty in which we are as Christians. As Christians, we are, we won't read this morning, Romans chapter 8, verse 17, fellow heirs with Christ. Now, if Jesus is a king and a priest, and we are fellow heirs, then what are we? We are kings and priests. Jesus is high priest, of course. But also with me, turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. And here, of course, the Apostle Paul writing to these brethren. And he says, just jumping in the middle, talking about this salvation by grace, verse 6, and raised up with him, that is Jesus, and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. We are seated with Jesus in the heavenly places. Jesus is king and priest. We are joint heirs. We are a king and a priest. And follow the logic for a second. We'll look at a passage in a minute. If we are seated with him and he is upon his throne, we are seated upon his throne. We'll look at a scripture about that in just a moment. Now when does this happen? I want to remind us, Colossians chapter 2. What we're talking about, being kings and priests, when this, does this occur? Colossians 2 verses 11 and 12 when we're baptized into Christ Jesus. We are made into royalty, adopted by God to be his children. You know, the children of the king are royalty. So we're made this royalty. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. And again, just in the middle of things. And in him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you are also raised up. Remember Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, raised up, seated with him in the heavenly places. When did this occur? When we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we are raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So when does this occur? This occurs when we're baptized into Jesus Christ. We're made kings and priests. Now go with me over, back over to the book of Revelation, and I'm going to read, first of all, from the King James, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. And uh, the point here is that we reign here with Jesus Christ upon the earth. We're going to look at three Three places in different ages 
that we reign. The first one is here upon earth. Now, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, of course, for us to reign on the earth, the earth has to be in existence. When the Lord comes at the time of the judgment, the earth is going to be burned up with fervent heat. So this is talking about during the time prior to the judgment, while Christians are living upon the earth, we reign upon the earth with Jesus Christ. Look at uh, chapter Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Now this verse speaks specifically of Jesus. Verse 15, Revelation 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there was loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. These kingdoms belong to Jesus Christ. We are joint heirs with him. And as he is now upon the throne in heaven, reigning in heaven, we being his brethren here upon the earth, we reign here upon the earth. We'll talk about the significance of that, about that a little bit later in the lesson. Our reign is given to us by the authority of Jesus Christ. Therefore, all that we do is in harmony with him and his law. Now let's go over to Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. I want to look at another occasion which is yet, yet future for all of us here upon the earth. In which we reign. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. Here this is speaking about the thousand years. The thousand years occur is the period prior to when Satan is released again for a short time. Then fire comes down from heaven and he is devoured. And then, um, and then comes the judgment. Verse 6. So this is the thousand years. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and, and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So here again talking about this reigning. We're reigning with Jesus Christ. While Jesus is on his throne, we are here on earth. We are reigning with him while we are here upon the earth. After we depart from the earth, prior to the judgment, during the thousand years, we are reigning with Christ in the heavenly places. Now let's look at one other. Let's go over to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 5. Chapter 22 and verse 5. Now this is after the judgment, and it's, and, and it's, it's after we enter into the eternal abode, the city of God, the new Jerusalem, into heaven. And um, he's talking about this. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 3 just so you can get the context. When we get to the end of verse 5, I want you to see that the they that's being talked, talked about are, are the Christians, the saints. Verse 3. There will be no, no longer any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face. Who's the they? Talking about the saints. And his name will be on their, their. Who's talking about? It's the saints. Their forehead. And there will be no longer, uh, uh, no longer be any night. 
and they will not have need of light. Who is this? They. That's the saints. They don't need any light because God and the Lamb, they're there. They have no need of a light, light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them. They will reign forever and ever. Who's the they? It is the saints. Just as we reign with Jesus Christ here upon the earth, just as we will reign with Jesus Christ in the thousand years, we will continue to reign with Jesus Christ and our God for eternity. Reign. Either way we look at it, kings or kingdom, we are royalty as God's children reigning with Christ, reigning with God, and serving as priests in our Father's household. Kings and priests, or kingdom and priests, a royal priesthood. Now let's look at the significance of this. Let's turn back over to 1 Peter chapter 2. First of all, let's look at the significance of being a priest. We are priests here upon the earth, and when we depart from this earth, we don't stop being priests. We're still priests. 1 Peter chapter 2 and beginning in verse 4. Let's look just a moment at our priesthood. And we could talk, we could talk all, uh, all morning about this, but, but we're just going to pull out a couple of things. Beginning in verse 4, 1 Peter 2, 4. And coming to him as, as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, you also, as living stones, or living parts of this building we're talking about here, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So are the, we are these living stones. We're built up into the spiritual house, which is the church, and we are a holy priesthood offering up these spiritual sacrifices. We'll talk about those sacrifices more in a moment. Now go to verse 7. This precious value, precious value, that, that's the way God looks at us. This is God as he's looking down upon us. This is how we view one another. This precious value. Then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, he talks about them just a little bit. Go down to verse 9. But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim. We're going to talk about that word proclaim just a little bit later when we get to kings, the significance of being a king. To proclaim the excellence of him who has called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. And so we are this chosen race and royal priesthood, holy nation, God's own possession to proclaim his excellencies. This is our work in the kingdom. And then verse 10. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here we are, the people of God, and we receive this mercy from God as his special people, holy nation, royal priesthood, his own possession, his chosen people to do this work, to proclaim his excellencies, receiving his mercy as his very own people. 
This is the significance of our priesthood. Now go over to Romans chapter 12. Because we serve in this priesthood, then we are offering up this spiritual service and these sacrifices. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. We do not get bulls and goats and animals and birds and all sorts of other things and, and present all of these sacrifices. We are not a priesthood that is at the temple every day slaughtering animals, offering up blood, and, and hauling away dead carcasses. That's not our priesthood. Our priesthood is offering up ourselves every day. And a sacrifice is something given up to God. And so we give up ourselves to God every day, every moment of our lives as priests of God, his holy and chosen people. Go with me over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. So even every word that we speak is a sacrifice to God. Romans chapter 13 and beginning in verse 15. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Our praises to God, they are a sacrifice. That is the fruit of, of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So we are this priesthood, and we are sacrificing, offering up our lives every moment of every day with every word we speak and every action we do. And so we are this priesthood here upon the earth. But once we depart from the earth, it does not stop. Turn with me over to Revelation chapter 7. For eternity we shall be this priesthood serving God Serving at the throne of God for eternity. This priesthood that we have on earth is just a glimpse and an inkling into the eternal priesthood we shall have in heaven forever and ever. If you can bring your mind to try to imagine. Uh, I, I'm, I'm incapable of expressing it in words and I won't even try. If you can bring your mind to think of this eternal priesthood in heaven. Revelation chapter 7 verse 13. John seeing his vision of these things. Then one of the elders asked, saying to me, These who are clothed in the white robes, who are they and where have they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now let me just remind you, we do this when we're baptized into Jesus Christ. These are those who are before the throne of God who have been, been baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins and they were faithful until death. Verse 15. For this reason they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer nor thirst anymore nor will the sun beat down on them nor the heat. For the Lamb is in the center of the throne, uh, will be their shepherd, and will guide them to springs and waters of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This serving God does not cease when we leave this life, but continues on 
through eternity. And here a different metaphor is used of Jesus being our shepherd and we being the lambs. Thereupon the throne of God as we serve for eternity. The significance of our priesthood is that we're living stones, a spiritual house. That is the church and a holy, a royal priesthood. We are of precious value to God. A chosen race, a whole nation, his own possession, his people that he gives mercy to. Offering up our spiritual service and sacrifices here on this earth, earth and for eternity in heaven. Now let's talk about the significance of being kings. A king is one who has honor. Among men, kings have the most honor. To say that we are kings is to say that we are this special people, this valued possession. Amongst men upon the earth, Christians are the most valuable and most precious in the sight of God and have the most honor. I was thinking about this the other day, driving around in my car that's about 15 years old and has 200, I guess 13,000, 313,000 miles on it saying, I'm a king. It sure doesn't look like it. See, but it's not a physical kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. And with men, honor is cast upon individuals by how much money they have and what, and what their place in society is, but not so with God. It is about being a Christian, being one in white robes, being one who is serving as his priest and offering your life to be his sacrifice. That is the most honorable upon the face of the earth. Therefore, we are royalty in the sight of God. You know, Jesus has a spiritual kingdom. His kingdom was not physical, else he would have called legions of angels to come and fight at the time of his crucifixion. And within the, the kingdoms of man, only one can be king. But that's not so within the kingdom of Christ. Christ does not abide by socialistic, human traditions. In Christ's kingdom, Christ is king, and all those who are in that kingdom, they are kings too. As they are brethren together and join heirs together. The significance of being a king is the honor that is placed before us. Honor here on earth and honor in heaven. Also, kings make proclamation. We won't take time to read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. And remember back to 1 Peter chapter 2 as we read that we are to proclaim the excellencies of God. Kings make proclamations. Whether you think back to Darius, or Nebuchadnezzar, or the kings in the Old Testament, they make proclamations as to what they feel is right and wrong according to their own opinion. We too are kings, and we make proclamation, but not according to what is right with our own opinion, but what is right according to the word of God. 
And this impresses upon us our responsibilities, both as kings and priests. Our responsibility is to proclaim and not to be silenced by a pagan majority. Kings make proclamation. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, in observing the Lord's Supper as we have done this morning, we make proclamation of the death of Christ, the shedding of his blood, the giving of his body, and all that could be said about that. Thirdly, for the last two now, I am going to look at some scriptures. Kings pass judgments. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he passes judgments. We too, as being his brethren and joint heirs with him, made into kings and priests by him, we too will pass judgments. In Romans chapter, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, a passage that you're so familiar with, and there Paul is writing regarding the sin involving two brethren taking each other to civil courts. That was totally wrong. And Paul is writing them about that and addressing that, and he says this, and we'll read first of all verses 2 and 3. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not complete to constitute the smallest or excuse me, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels how much more manners of this life? Now, as we've talked about before, I don't know what the details of all this is going to be like. And if I were to guess, I would think it would be like this. After we are judged, remember the household of God is judged first. After we are judged and found to be faithful, we would stand in unity with Jesus Christ, and as he passes judgment, almost stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we too would pass judgment with him in accordance to those things he judges. But still yet Paul says we judge. That we have this ability to decide. And when it comes to matters here upon the earth, we have the ability to decide. We do not need to go to some unbeliever to decide for us. We can decide better than unbelievers. In verse 1, Paul addresses this. Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? And then verses 4 through 7. For if you have law courts dealing, dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account to the church? And he goes on with that. Now with doing this, it's only possible if both parties are willing to be faithful to God. In other words, if I have a problem with unbeliever out in the world, the unbeliever is not willing to come to the church and let the elders decide that's not going to happen. So what Paul's talking about here will not be applicable. Or if I have a problem with a brother and the brother isn't willing to be faithful to God, then it's not, it's not possible. But for brethren who are faithful, we're not to be taking each other out to some civil court somewhere. Brethren are better able to decide right from wrong than a civil institution. 
So we'll pass judgments. And there's one more I want to mention. We will sit on a throne. Kings sit on a throne. Go with me over to Revelation chapter 3. And this will be our last scripture for this morning. Revelation chapter 3. And verse 21. And this is Jesus as he's speaking to the Laodiceans through John. John writes these things. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne. I take Jesus for exactly what he says and face back. That if we overcome the sins, the temptation, if we are one of those, our, our garments are white as snow because we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we will sit on the throne of Jesus Christ with him. I take it for exactly what he says. And that's pretty amazing. And if you can imagine what they, that day is going to be like when we sit with Jesus on his throne, that's going to be awesome. And that's for eternity. I mean, that is so awesome. I wish I had the words to begin to describe it. I don't. It's just going to be so incredible. The significance of being a king, it denotes honor, that we make proclamation, that we pass judgment, and that we sit on a throne. How awesome is our God to grant us the privilege as his children, to do those things. We'll conclude the lesson and extend the gospel invitation. We sing a song, number 174, Christ Arose. And near the end of the chorus, it says, speaking of Jesus, that he lives forever with his saints to reign. Lives forever with his saints to reign. Jesus Christ came to earth and died upon the cross to save us so that we could be his brethren, joint heirs with him, and to be with him forever in eternity. Jesus wore a, 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 a crown of thorns so that we could wear a crown in heaven for eternity with him. He wore a crown of thorns so we could wear a crown in eternity. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, be faithful unto death and I'll give you the crown. Revelation chapter 14, verse 14, Jesus is crowned in heaven right now. And we too will be crowned with him in heaven for eternity as we sit with him on his throne. If you're not a Christian tonight, this morning, you will not be given that privilege unless you become one. If you are a Christian this morning, I hope more than ever you've looked into the future the best that you can to see the day and to see eternity 
when you sit with Jesus forever. If you're not a Christian, why don't you become one? Believing in Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, the one whom we must obey to repent of your sins and to confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God and to be baptized for the remission of your sins. You'll be seated in the heavenly places with him. You'll be made into a king and a priest to serve forever our God. If we can help you at all this morning, why don't you come to the front now as we stand and sing.